You're listening to the Quince podcast. Kerala may pride itself for being the state with the highest sex ratio but a series of back-to-back dowry related deaths being reported from various parts of the state goes on to show that India has a long long way to go to be able to make the country safe for women both inside and outside their homes. On 21st June Vismaya a 24 year old woman from Kerala was found dead at her husband's residence in Kottam district. Just two days before she was found hanging in the bathroom She had messaged a cousin saying that her husband had brutally beaten her up. And in the span of 24 hours there were two more similar reports. On 22nd June, 24-year-old Archana was found dead with burn injuries at Kerala's capital Thiruvananthapuram in the rented apartment that she lived in with her husband. They reportedly had a love marriage but just a few months into their wedding, her husband's father had asked for rupees 3 lakh as dowry. 19-year-old Suchitra was also found dead at her husband's residence the same day in Vallikunnam. While police believe this death may have been a suicide, they're still investigating on it. More than outrage, these successive reports of dowry-related deaths raise a serious concern that despite laws being put in place, as a society, where are we lacking in protecting women? Are we being able to provide the kind of space that is needed for women to escape abuse in their marriages? Do our efforts in empowering women lack the systemic overhaul of the societal perception that women occupy a submissive position in a marriage? In this episode you'll hear from Sunita Menon, director of Breakthrough, an organization that builds awareness on domestic violence, and Neha Singhal, a senior resident fellow of Vidhi Center for Legal Policy, which is an independent think tank that does legal research. You're tuned in to the Big Story, the podcast where we dissect the headline-making news for you, and I'm your host, Shorbury. The traditional view of marriage in India has inherently been sexist. In this perception, women have been treated as objects that have been handed over along with a transfer of money, property, and goods to the groom side. Since for most of history, women have been excluded from property rights, dowry came to be a compensation of sorts, a kind of social and economic security for women after marriage. And that practice got even more concretized in the colonial period, with a lot of importance being given to the Brahmanical order of social systems. And somewhere down the line. dowry marriages became legitimized up until the abolition act in 1961 now it's widely acknowledged that the practice of dowry has contributed to violence against women arising from either dissatisfaction with the dowry received or perhaps over greed for more dowry but despite it being a crime in india to give or take dowry the social practice has its roots deep in traditions and has managed to continue in different forms such as gift giving In Vismaya's case her parents have been reported saying that they had given her husband Kiran Kumar's family 100 sovereigns of gold, 1 acre of land and a rupees 11 lakh worth Toyota car as dowry. But Kumar was allegedly dissatisfied with the car and harassed over it claiming that he deserves better. In Archana's case two similar allegations have come up. Her parents have alleged that her husband Suresh used to quarrel with her and demand money from her family. And if these reports seem shocking, a quick search on the internet will show you that there are many more reports of harassment and abuse over dowry. Sunita Menon talks about why is it that despite modernization, Indian society hasn't been able to shed this sexist custom from its social consciousness. Yeah, I think that cuts across all classes whether you are like 
on top of the the creamiest of the creamy layer or the poorest of the poor hmm. and no matter uh, which background you come from you're always trying to kind of do better than uh, your uh, you know what you can afford so hmm. for the parents it's all also about showing off their social status hmm. showing off that they can afford a certain kind of lifestyle and therefore they can provide that for their uh, girl but giving a huge dowry and it's also like a way of getting away from not giving property rights to their girl child that mm. that is specifically for the upper classes that i'm speaking mm. uh of course and um, um and it it it's it's, it's, a, it's a lot of uh, comparison and competition between uh, who gave what between relatives and neighbors so i mean that's there there's a social sanction to the entire thing hmm. right from the childhood when a girl child is born people would say okay start you know collecting money for dowry i um, when i was born my father was told that by the nurses hmm. so so that's a kind of uh, sanction which is there in the society hmm. and uh, education your background it it certainly is not seeming to uh, work i have worked with uh, industrialists so uh, women industrialists mm. and i have seen mm. cases of dowry and uh, domestic violence even there mm. um i've worked with uh, professionals uh, and civil servants mm. and i have seen a uh, severe form of domestic violence and dowry there in fact uh, when i was doing a training in a uh, lal bahadur shastri academy in masuri um, uh, mm. uh, the 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 trainee ipas officers and all of that they also had you know uh, you know there is even here they would say that there is levels so people from up bihar i mean one of the prime aims of getting into civil services is to get a fatter dowry hmm so uh, and that's acknowledged by uh, themselves okay. so so and these are the people who are like uh, the industrialists the civil servants the politicians you the, you you see it from top to bottom everywhere hmm. that uh, it's happening and even though there is law around it um um but in terms of acceptance for the law uh, even if you talk to the lawmakers uh, they would immediately come up with anything which is to do with the uh, rights of the woman hmm. and safeguarding the rights of the woman uh, people will come up and say no no this is anti men and you know there are false cases and nonsense happening according to a report on the new indian express NCRB recorded 66 cases of dowry deaths in Kerala in the past 5 years while over 15143 cases of harassment over dowry have been registered in the state over the same period the report also says that over 1 lakh cases relating to marital disputes are pending before 28 family courts in the state And NCRB records from between 2016 and 2018 also show that overall in India there have been 7,621 dowry deaths in the year 2016, 7,466 deaths in 2017, and 7,166 deaths in the year 2018. And before these recent incidents from Kerala, just a few months back in February, two other reports of dowry-related deaths from Gujarat and Kolkata drew a similar kind of outrage. 24-year-old Aisha Banu had jumped into the Sabarmati River to escape constant harassment over dowry. A week after Aisha's suicide, 25-year-old Rashika Agarwal fell to her death at her in-laws place in Kolkata. Her family also alleged that they had given Rs. 7 crore as dowry and she was still being tortured for more. But despite outrage and despite campaigns for justice, the fact that dowry deaths are recurring 
does that mean that we are unable to provide the kind of space that is needed for women to escape abuse in their marriages? Just look at the fact that around the time these reports came out, Kerala Women's Commission Chairperson M.C. Josephine found herself embroiled in a controversy over a response to an abuse survivor. In a Malayalam call-in show, when a woman survivor reached out and told Josephine that she hadn't yet told anyone about the domestic violence that she was facing, Josephine was quoted as saying, then you suffer. And if we go back to Vismaya's case, it has been alleged that her husband Kiran had assaulted her several times, once even in front of her parents, and he'd even broken her brother's arm when he tried to intervene. But the police reportedly insisted on working out a compromise. Yes, a compromise on abuse. And Vismaya was taken back to her in-laws' place after a brief stay with her parents. Soon enough, she stopped contacting her father and brother. She did confide in her mother and just the day before her death, she had also sent photos of her injuries to her cousin. But it was all too late. So do our efforts in empowering women lack the systemic overhaul of the societal perception that wives and women occupy a submissive position in a marriage? Ms. Menon says that the circumstances are often made unfavourable for women on several fronts. I, I think right from the childhood, we keep telling the girl child that she has to go to another house, another family. Uh, you know, she has to keep the other family happy. Hmm. So the way we are raising our girl child in itself is quite problematic. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, we are not giving her the confidence of, uh, you know, being independent, uh, uh, financially, emotionally, physically, in every sense. So even in this this may have, uh, case, even though the girl was like a medical student and she could have very well been financially independent and mm. stayed on her own, mm. but uh, she couldn't because uh, uh, in terms of confidence of other, you know, of, of living on your own, uh, facing the world, uh, mm. managing your finances, managing the world around you, man- managing the people who would point fingers at you or try to harass you. Um, I mean, uh, that kind of uh, preparation Hmm. Uh, needs to happen and giving the girl the ability that she can do things on her own. That's one of the first things. Uh, Second, I think the family members also need to, I mean, why couldn't a girl like this or in numerous other cases, the Lucknow case where that girl uh, jumped, no, the Gujarat case where the girl jumped into the uh, Sabarmati River. Hmm. uh, There also it's the same uh, where the girl after, after saying that she's being harassed, she's being violated, uh, you know, she feels that she cannot live on her own and she kind of somehow loves the husband or has this false hope that he will turn out to be better after certain negotiation. If I adjust, if I do this, if I do that. But those things don't happen. Uh, only the violence gets aggravated and uh, um, people usually don't change. The violent people who want to be violent mm-hmm. are violent because, you know... Uh, they feel uh, they feel they are entitled to do that. Uh, the third is the natal family needs to support the girl. So if there is violence, like in this case, they clearly knew that the girl was uh, mm-hmm. facing abuse. Her brother's hand was fractured. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was being violated. But mm-hmm. for they did not uh, ask her to kind of come back. They did not stand by her. They did not say that, you know, we are with you and, you know. Hmm. to hell with this guy and we will uh, take a legal action against him. Hmm. They did none of that. Now that the girl is dead, they're now coming in on the media and saying, you know, hmm. this has happened, which which anyway should happen. But had they done this some time ago, uh, the girl would have been saved. Hmm. And she could probably have had a much better life than dying uh, in such a uh, sorry manner. 
Legally, we do know that dowry is considered a crime. It's been six decades since the Dowry Abolition Act was enacted in the parliament. And since that failed to give the kind of safeguard that women needed, the Protection of Women from Domestic Violence Act was also enacted in the year 2005, which for the first time took a comprehensive approach to domestic violence. This act actually recognized domestic violence as physical, sexual, verbal and emotional abuse or economic abuses. And recently, CJ Ramana also gained a lot of appreciation for plugging loopholes in the dowry law that was providing an escape route for offenders. And despite all this, how is the problem of dowry still eluding us? Neha Singhal explains why it's often so difficult for the legal prosecution to prove dowry harassment in the first place. Section 304B of the Indian Penal Code provides that when a woman dies due to burns or bodily injury or of unnatural circumstances within seven years of her marriage and it is shown that soon before her death she was subjected to harassment by her husband or his relatives in connection with any demand for dowry, such death shall be called dowry death. Commission of dowry death is punishable with imprisonment for seven years extendable to life in prison. Despite having these laws in place, the problem of dowry death seems to continue unabated. According to NCRB, over 7,000 cases were registered under Section 304B nationwide in the last five years. More than 90% of these cases remain pending in trial courts across India. Within the minuscule proportion of cases that do get decided, the average conviction rate is a little over 30% alone. So the question we find ourselves asking, is the law itself the problem? No. Section 304B makes it clear that if a woman dies of unnatural circumstances, including suicide, and she was subjected to dowry harassment prior to her death, the law presumes the death to be dowry death, and it is upon the defence to prove that the death was not related to dowry. In reality, however, the prosecution is largely unable to prove dowry harassment in the first place. Often, there are no witnesses to such harassment because aggrieved women, out of shame, fear of reprisal, do not share their plight with anybody. Family members often turn hostile and refuse to testify. In those rare cases where the prosecution is able to produce evidence, trial courts reject the testimonies of the victim's families and friends on trivial grounds. And even where dying declarations of victims are available, they reject those on inconsequential grounds and acquit on technicalities. Thousands of dowry harassment cases are compromised either by the police or the lower judiciary every day. Women are encouraged to stay in abusive homes, leading, as we know, to terrible consequences. Trial courts suffer from a deep patriarchal bias against women, and this is evident in the language they adopt during their proceedings and in their judgments. The entire system needs a complete overhaul. The police and lower judiciary should follow procedure as prescribed by law, which they often don't do. They should be sensitized to women's needs and be educated in the legislative intent behind welfare legislations. Now, Kiran has been arrested by the police and slapped with dowry charges. Vismay's family has also leveled allegations of murder against him. Archana's husband, Suresh, has also been detained. And Kerala Chief Minister Pinaray Vijayan has also condemned these incidents on his part. And he has said, and I'm quoting some of his statements, quote, As a society, we need to reform the prevailing marriage system. Marriage must not be a pompous show of the family's social status and wealth. Parents have to realize that the barbaric dowry system degrades our daughters as commodities. We must treat them better as human beings. Men must accept the truth that women are not inferior and they have equal rights. Youth organizations need to initiate awareness campaigns. 
parents should make conscious efforts to inculcate such progressive attitudes in their children. We have to nurture a new culture. End quote. The Kerala government has also launched a 24-hour online helpline service called Aparajita to resolve cyber crimes against women and for submission of complaints or offences against women and domestic abuse. The chief minister has also said that to inculcate a culture of gender equality, Kerala school textbooks will be revised and audited to see what words and phrases disparaging women. It's certain that a social menace such as dowry that leads to domestic abuse cannot be erased without actually raising awareness or without evoking the collective consciousness to make a change. But will we see a serious effort? If you like listening to this episode, please subscribe to the Big Story playlist for episodic updates. We'll have on Apple, Google Podcast, Spotify, GeoSavan and most of the other popular podcast streaming platforms. For other podcasts, please log on to the Quinn website and check out the podcast section for any feedback, shoot an email to podcasts at thequin.com. Thanks for listening. Log on to the Quint's website and check out our other podcasts.